Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. We have a roundtable show every Friday around 8.30 Pacific Standard Time. I've got a powerful panel. I've got, I think I've managed to get some decent stories for us to discuss. I'm going to let the panel quickly introduce themselves. I'm going to start with my close friend, John Locke. John, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, John Locke, uh, SEO practitioner for manufacturing companies. All right. And I've got Matt Medeus in the house. Love the hat, Matt. Thank you. Thanks. MattReport.com, Pagely.com. That's great. And I've got Adrian, my co-host. Adrian, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. How are we doing? Adrian from Groundhog here. We build marketing automation and sales plugins for WordPress. Got my friend Sally. Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Certainly. I'm Sally Getch, the WP Fangirl organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California. Right. And I've got my friend Chris. Chris, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Chris from Lifter LMS, which is a WordPress solution for creating, selling, and protecting engaging online courses. I've had a morning already. We've had some, I've had some technical struggles with Zooms, beloved listeners and viewers, but we struggled for you. I'm muddled now, but that should add to the excitement. Before we go into the, our main stories, I just want to talk about one of our sponsors. That's Breezly, breezly.co. Um, it's one of the most innovative page builders on the market at the present moment, I feel. Um, if that's interesting to you or your um, clients, I suggest that you go over to Beasley and have a look at what they've got to offer. They've just upgraded their page building system. I think it's got some, some unique elements to it that make it stand out from the competition in considerable areas. So like I say, if that's interesting to you, go over to Breezley and also tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic show. So let's go into the first story. Um, Matt Manning, State of the Word 2019. Let's start with Matt. Go there, Matt. What did you think of Matt Manning's State of the Word? I... Uh... I transcribed the talk using the ever lovely Temi service for 10 cents a word or whatever it is. <clears throat> and I kind of pulled out some high level statistics that uh, <laughs> the, well, not counting the, the, the short movie uh, about community that happened uh, at the top of the, uh, of the top of the discussion uh, that the core focus as it, one would imagine was focused around uh, Gutenberg blocks, block building, stuff like that. So I pulled out, you know, he said Gutenberg 72 times. He said block and blocks 84 times, uh, community 20 times, and governance once. Uh, of course, that all hinges on the accuracy of Temi, which is just okay uh, at best, in my opinion. Um, I thought it was a fine talk. It was exactly what I expected. Um, and, uh, I thought the community short video open source video was, uh, was nice and kind as a recognition to the community, but, um, 
that's where it ended for me. And then, of course, the discussion was was heavily around Gutenberg. It, it was exactly what I had thought it was going to be. No change in course, uh, I guess. Yeah. I've got to tell you, Matt, I had a little conversation with my friend here, John, yesterday. And over the months, I thought you'd been a little bit harsh on things a little bit, Matt. But I just realized... It was like uh, it was like that moment on the road to Damascus. Honestly, John will clap, will testify to this. You're absolutely right. What you've said about this whole thing, I've just realised yesterday that you were totally right. It, to be not to be terribly horrible to Matt Malweg, which I really don't want to be. I think he's gaslighting himself as much as he's gaslighting us lot. <laughs> Uh, um, I would probably yeah, agree with that. Um, basically, there's two extremes. He wants to make a ton of money, but he wants the, also to be seen as the the groovy guy, the community guy. But um, you know why I'm saying this, Matt, is that fundamentally, when um, Wix and the other leading page builder only combined, I think they've only got 2 to 3% of the market. But you're making out that the growth that you're going to need for this 300 million injection into your company, the only growth that you're going to be able to get for WordPress.com is not from taking market share from Wix and other competitors. The only way you're going to get a return to pay for that investment is to take it away from your real competitor, which is WordPress.org. Right. That's the only way you can do it, isn't it? Yeah, which translates to all of the, the fine people who build some some great plugins and services. Um, it's easy for us to to label Matt as a target or to, to put the target on Matt's back for a lot of this, understandably so. And, you know, as I play with Gutenberg more and use it more, you know, I see the opportunity. I see the opportunity beyond, you know, what I've been saying for a while beyond WordPress, like Gutenberg doing other things. And um and then I see the 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 pure reaction from from people who attended WordCamp US. You know, a lot of people are, are sort of putting their their highlight reels together about the time that they spent there, how much they enjoyed it. And um a lot of people just really loved being around the rest of us. And it's important to remind ourselves that, you know, Matt isn't the community. He is obviously a big piece of it and he can, you know, move it in different directions. But when you see the, the positive reaction of everybody just enjoying WordCamp US, it is, you know, as somebody who didn't attend it and just looked at Twitter, it is a nice reminder because we can get so, uh, uh, put our blinders on so much uh, that the community is, you know, is still really strong and you want to see it continue. And that that he is not, you know, an automatic is not, you know, just the community. Uh, so it's great to see how much everybody enjoyed it, got re-energized, met old and new friends. That's the, that's the magic. It's the magic I don't want to see go away because of certain decisions, but that's the magic. And that's what I appreciate about, you know, all of that. The talk was just you know, the talk. And it's easy. It's also easy to say, like, you know, if you, if you thought Matt of a political figure, y- you would say, well, 
man, your, your PR lately, uh, a lot of people in the community are upset about you. A lot of people think this community is going away. What does the guy with a lot of money do? Let's make a movie. <laughs> Let's make a movie and throw it out there and say, hey, we know everything about this community. We love the community too. We just made this, this movie for you, right? I thought the movie uh, was made by entirely a different initiative. Well, and he and he just sort of um, said, "Oh, hey, let's show this at at uh, WordCamp." Yeah, and and then you know who knows? Like if that's who knows, you know. Uh, but the idea is, is like there's still no after two years of of like real in the in the trenches of what's really going on with leadership. It's sort of just like here's this movie. It's pretty cool. I'll talk about it but not really push things forward. So they, they mentioned one thing, and I'll get off my soapbox. I think he mentioned one thing about highlighting contributors, which you know, me and many other people have said before. You know, when you look at the success of like a Shopify or big commerce or these people who highlight partners or partnerships or the community, yeah, okay, that's a step in the right direction. And they tried this before with Jetpack Professionals, which I don't even know what happened to it. just kind of disappeared. Um, Gosh, I so, don't even remember that. Yeah, it was it been a very small blip. Yeah, it was literally a blip. Um, so, okay, this is good. Hey, okay, fine. Let's you know, let's highlight let's highlight people in the community. I'm 100 percent behind that. But what else can you know we do? Because at the start of that of that movie, and maybe I have to go back and watch it again, short film or whatever you want to call it, is like the first question that they lead with is. Hey, it's like paraphrasing. It's this big. It's this big thing worth billions of dollars. How do you feel about all these people who put effort into it and don't get paid? <laughs> you know, summarizing there. I never got an answer out of it. <laughs> you know, there was well, never yes, an it, answer. It, well, like, it, the, the the film kind of goes back to it a, a, a few times, and and uh, it, you know, it, it in a way it. It, you know, it doesn't answer that question, and it shows Matt struggling to answer that question. Right. Um. So. Again, like five for the future. Yeah, hey, this is all great. When when everyone's, you know, it's whenever it, when everything is working, you know, the way it, the way it should be. And, and you know, again, I'm not a guy who wants to see WordPress go away. Absolutely not. I want to see the success of it, but um, you know, uh, I could go either way with with you know yeah. rating his his conversation. Or so, Chris. I don't see Gutenberg as really being the fundamental problem in some ways because I think anybody would say that the the editor needed updating dramatically for the 21st century. But on the other hand, as I, as I said, I had a chat with John here and making out that Squarespace and Wix combined, I think they've only got 3% of the market really re, the real target for automatic is all the consultants all the people that built the platform up that's their real target i think that would be um uh kind of sabotaging though if if they really took it made that the target um because it, it just it would turn into it would just implode it's like cannibalizing um the community so i don't that may be happening some, but um, well, let me just back up and say like the talk that I saw, it was just what I expected. What leaders often do in a um, scenario like that is they create whiplash. Like, hey, that was 2019. Here we go in 2020. Totally new plan. 
like Matt's just executing the four-year vision or whatever, which I think is kind of cool. Whiplash, it can be fun, but it can also be uh, kind of jarring, especially if you've got your livelihood uh, dependent, depending on it. But going back to um, the 35% or wherever we're at, I think right now, the goal isn't to eat the whole pie. I think it's time to stop and pivot to, instead of expansion, focus on the core and improve on the, the percentage of the internet that's already there, um, both for the for-profit companies like Automatic and the service providers and the product pr- providers, but also the, um, just the community as a whole. Because a third of the internet is fine. That's, that's plenty. It's, the internet is a really big place. And uh, I mean, when Matt was talking, when they asked him about um, in the documentary about what about all these people working for free, he moves, he pivots the conversation to the four freedoms of the GPL, the right to modify, distribute, sell, all this other stuff that you can do with it. So I, I was kind of left hanging with the question of, how do we help the community monetize? Like if there are people working for free and the balance is out of sync, um, how do we help with monetization? Because there's a lot of ways to monetize WordPress and not everybody. We've talked before about equal opportunity, not for all kind of thing to monetize, opportunity to monetize. But I think that's, maybe that's something to really focus on is helping the community monetize better or in a more balanced way. But not everybody can... Right. Well, um, I mean, all of us make money from WordPress. And I don't know that the consultant developer type work would necessarily disappear if Automatic's share of the pie, if the WordPress.com got bigger, because people would still need, uh, you know, help building websites. And there are people who do work, you know, building websites on on WordPress.com. And I also think the issue is not so much, um, or the perceived threat is not so much the uh, percentage of the internet that the Shopify's and Wix's and, and, and Weebly's have now, but the percentage that they could get out of the people who right now maybe don't use any content management system or the people they do exist who's, who don't have any website yet at all but might come to, or the people who just are like part of the expanding population of of, uh, of the planet, uh, I still think that the ambition to be like, you know, the, the ubiquitous everywhere, everything on the web is mm, mm, delusional. Uh, and I see Adrian has something he desperately wants to say, so I'll be quiet there. Yeah, go, Dolph, you go, Adrian. Um, <clears throat> Just to play off what what Chris had mentioned, I don't I don't believe the goal is to go eat Squarespace's or Wix's market share, because there there are three different ways to create revenue in a business. There's a get more customers, and at this point, getting new customers for WordPress is new businesses, and or creating you know larger market share by taking market share aware of other people. But that's a little bit more difficult and a lot more time consuming, a lot more costly. The second way to grow revenue is to increase prices. Uh, and raise prices for existing com- uh, customers. They can do that through their various different ways that they monetize, you know, automatic through commerce or WordPress.org, et cetera. Uh, and then there's the third option, which is sell more to your existing customers, which is where I think the road is going by introducing more tools into uh, Jetpack, introducing more tools into WooCommerce, and introducing more options for their enterprise-level companies at the, uh, at the enterprise level for their enterprise version of WordPress.org, uh, sorry, WordPress.com. 
And I think the the point of, of Gutenberg is to essentially make WordPress more appealing to businesses who are either A, coming into it, or their existing customers who are growing their businesses and want to see WordPress as a long-term partner in their business so that they can continue to increasingly sell more products and services through automatic or through the community in general to their existing user base. And I think that's where we are now is just continuing to be able to sell more and increase the overall value of the existing community. And I think that's the way that revenue and monetization for WordPress is going to continue into the future, not necessarily taking market share from other companies. Right. So John, we had this little conversation yesterday, didn't we, John? And I, I'm just using what Matt Manweg says. You know, he's the one that says he wants to get to, what was it, 70, 80% of market share. That's right. If he, if he wants to, get, I think he'd be lucky if he gets it to 50. But, you know, he's got, so. he'd be really, really lucky to get to 50. You know, you've had somebody invest 300 million into your business, plus all the other investors on the other rounds. Where are you going to get the growth um, to get a return because obviously at some stage they automatic is going to go public um that's got to be the you know when you take that kind of investment the road is to go public where they're going to get the growth to pay back those investors and get into a position to make automatic public right first i want to you know every everybody on the panel has made some really good points you know adrian made some really good points about um where the revenue growth is going to come from. But I think the clue is really to see how Matt Mullenweg, you know, talks about the project. For one, you know, they've taken VC money like four rounds now. So that means that they have to show a return on investment. It, you know, it's always Matt Mullenweg who gives the state of the word. It's not anybody else in leadership from WordPress.org. He calls himself a benevolent dictator for life. So I think we can safely assume that, the, the, as much as we want to say that the WordPress project is owned by the community, in all practical purposes, it is owned by Automatic and it's owned by Matt Mullenweg, and he dictates the pace. Now that you know we, he's taken four rounds of funding, it's really owned by the VC backing. Now let's look at how they you know refer to the competition. We always brag collectively as a group in the WordPress community about how we're thirty four percent of the web. But I know a lot of people that aren't getting 34% of the money. You know, some people are. But how Automatic and uh, Matt Mullenweg always talk about the competition is Wix, Weebly, Squarespace, and they're all 1%. And as Jonathan came to the conclusion, the real enemy is .org because we're never told how much of that 34% is .com and how much is selfhosted.org. Um, as much as we want to think that the, the idea is not to cannibalize .org, they are a competitor to .com, uh, or at best an infection vector for products like WooCommerce, uh, Akismet, VIP. Now, uh, Automatic has branched into other revenue streams. They've bought up hosting companies like Pressable is owned by Automatic. That's, you know, they're making money from that, not just from VIP. But the whole idea of making Gutenberg is the same thing that, that they were doing with post formats back when they were obsessed with Tumblr. They, in that order... They're apparently still obsessed yeah. with Tumblr. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, so maybe they make Tumblr like uh, powered by headless WordPress and then maybe they have premium uh, Tumblr at some point. 
But the, the whole thing with Gutenberg is they see page builders. That's how most people access WordPress. Some people code, but, you know, a lot of people use page builders like Elementor or Beaver Builder or Visual Composer. Most people think of ThemeForest as WordPress. So in order to compete with Squarespace and, and Wix and Weebly, we got to make a drag and drop that's accessible to the masses. And that's how you get growth that VCs want to see. Uh, I think they, they're doing a fine job with VIP. They have VIP agencies, VIP hosting. But I think where they're really aiming for growth is in the lower end of the market. And to do that, they have to have uh, some sort of visual builder or drag and drop builder, which eventually Gutenberg will become in order to compete with Squarespace. It's funny that they never mentioned Drupal or Joomla as competitors. It's always Squarespace. Wix, Weebly, and other low-end stuff that's like $25 to $30 a month for people to have a site. So, I mean, just look at the language that they're using. Yeah, and I'll say to you, John, I actually think this was totally unnecessary because with the buying of WooCommerce, if something really fantastic had been done with it, I think there was enough space in the in the e-commerce areas to build up a company that could have gone public in just that. And it would have been a clear division between a hosted, superb e-commerce experience. And then if you need it to be truly custom, you had the ability to go to WordPress.org. And it would be, everybody would have known where they stood, basically. But that wasn't, that wasn't good enough. Um, well, I would imagine that was a, a, a large part of the plan in buying WooCommerce, and it may be still part of the plan. It's just that, yeah, okay, turning WooCommerce into something where you can have a like straightforward, simple, turnkey kind of a setup, that's not so easy. No. What do you reckon, Matt, to finish off? Well, there's a few other things, you know, in, you know, woven in the threads here, like he when he was talking about Gutenberg, I forget which part it was, but he said something like, well, we looked at the, when he was demonstrating something and he was like, we looked at the data and we saw that people were searching for some term. I forget what it was. <clears throat> what data? Where did you get that data? Are you the only ones that have access to that data? Um, and that's always a contention point with a lot of, you know, product owners on .org is that, uh, Matt and team can dip into search data at any point and get some really, really crazy insights that we just don't have access to. So there's that. And, you know, as somebody who just put up a WooCommerce store that morning in about two hours, where this is all headed, the advantage that he will just, they will just dominate from the org is just making the experience as easy as possible. You know, when you start a WooCommerce store, there's a million things you have to think of and it just plows you with, don't forget to install Jetpack. Don't forget to get better stats. Don't forget to connect to WordPress.com. And oh, by the way, we've got this theme to wrap it all up. And I'm not against that because it does make it simple and it does get people into WordPress easier. But it's also like that's the big play that they're that they will dominate with um, that connection, um, and they just need to make it easy, like Apple versus Android, um, and like the whole governance community stuff. Going back to like what Chris said, when you look at them as a leader, you know, 
I sort of like get a little smirk on my face when he says, well, I think that whole governance thing just fizzled out. Let's keep going. <laughs> oh, oh, has it? <laughs> you know, oh, oh, has it? So anybody on the fence has now heard Matt Mullenweg say, oh, it fizzled out. I guess, I guess we can give up on that and keep moving, um, which is unfair. Um, and there were a lot of poignant questions from uh, people at the end. Uh, there were definitely questions on the subject of like, yeah. how do decisions get made. And, 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 and we saw this at WordCamp Europe. Uh, I think it was WordCamp Europe. Very, very uh, more, more aggressive than the U.S. camp uh, asking those questions. And we saw it again here. And it's it's always just a smile, a chuckle. Hey, don't worry. If you want to make this happen, we can make it happen. You just got to get out there and make it happen. <laughs> you know, like for freedoms, you can just take WordPress and do whatever you want with it. Oh, yeah. No, we can't. It's not as easy as you say it, which is what I really liked about that DHH podcast because he did push him on that, um, but never really wrapped it up. Uh, but you certainly can't do whatever you want with WordPress branding. Well, like he uh, you know, it, as an intellectual argument, it's it's nonsense, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just pure nonsense. Do you, right. It's, do you, do you, but let's, let's, get, let's get to the crux of it, Matt. Does he really believe his own nonsense or is he even worse? Is he a, basically a hypocrite? Um, I, think, I think he has told himself the story enough that he does believe it, but I think he knows that this is, that he's steering the ship and he wants to steer the ship um, because there is still something greater in I, I think he is still trying to to create something greater than just wordpress as we know it right now mm. this is just the step well I, I think that's pretty clear when you talk about being the operating system of the internet right 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 so this like gutenberg is great for everything that we see here you know but we have another story coming up about salesforce and um, boy wouldn't it be great if components of that was built by gutenberg and the story a year from now, again, I'm just theory crafting, is he's going to come out and say, look, I was talking about this 85% of the web. I didn't necessarily mean it was going to be WordPress sites, but I was going to, but what I meant was Gutenberg is now powering 20% of Salesforce, 20% of Facebook. It's on your refrigerators. You know, Samsung is using Gutenberg for your refrigerator drag and drop. Like it's going to be this thing that's out there. Uh, and I think that's the greater goal. And he's just trying to build this up, right? He has to build up the cash cow. And this is how, this is how he's going to do it, right? He is going to make WordPress easier for users. And folks like product creators might be the, the, the cannon fodder in all of this stuff, right? Like the, the casualties. <laughs> no offense, Chris. But uh, hey, maybe, you, would, you wouldn't mind or, getting scooped they, up by right, that. you know, or, or uh, you know, somebody may make Chris, uh, you know, an, an offer he can't refuse for uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely for a lifter. I mean, you know, it it is certainly possible that other people will <clears throat> benefit uh, right. out of it. Uh, there are inevitably going to be casualties as things shift around. Yeah, but I, right. think that's, I think that's one of the fundamental problems. Nobody really knows what's going on apart from one person that might have this kind of roadmap, that map, but everybody else is left in the dark, really. It's still, it's still somebody else's sandbox, and it should be on us to realize that. Just like when we, when we tell customers, don't put all your content on Facebook, drive everything back to your website because you own it, you have to do the same thing here and you have to just look at it and say, I don't own this. 
as open source as it is, I don't own the direction, the movement, the brand of this. So leverage what you can now yeah. <laughs> and, and get people into your, your own ecosystem. So like Lifter, SaaS model, you know, Chris is probably already building it. <laughs> you'll, you know, See, he'll launch wanna, it in a year. I just want to say something a little bit controversial, maybe surprise, surprise. Um, in some ways, I prefer doing business with somebody like President Trump. See, when you're doing business with somebody like Trump, you know what you're dealing with. You know, you only have to look at you only you only have to look at the track record, and you know what you're. You're, you're never going to get paid. You need to get paid you're, up you're gonna, front. You're going to get a different answer every day? Yeah, and you need to get paid up front because if you don't get paid up front, you're not going to get paid, right? It's as simple as that. You're not going to get paid. You know what you... And you make the decision, firstly, do I want to do business with somebody like Mr. Trump? And secondly, if I do need to do business with somebody like Mr. Trump, I need to get paid totally up front because I'm not going to get paid otherwise, right? Yeah. Well, when you're dealing with somebody like, somebody like Matt Mayweg, in some ways I think you're in a worse situation because you don't know who you're dealing with. You don't know which, which side of Matt Mayweg you're going to be dealing with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And somebody who's a total contradiction that you don't know what you're dealing with is actually worse than dealing with somebody like Mr. Trump. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I see where you're going with that, right? Like with a Trump, you could be like, how much do you want for this, this website? 10,000 bucks. Let's go. And then we start from that where the Matt Mullenweg, you'd step in and be like, Hey, what do you want for this website? He'd go, Hey John, come over here. Have this glass of wine yeah. with me. Let's look at this art. Let's, Let's be friends. This Let's art. have a community. Let's just sit down and see if, you know, you and I really just, and then it's just, what, what are you taking me into here? <laughs> Let's just do business. Right. And, and, and I totally see, you know, it's 10,000 and I want the 10 grand up front because <laughs> yeah, I know right. you know, you're right. not going to pay me. <laughs> right. Right. You get your website, basically. Right, you're right. going to screw me, basically. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah, right. no, I get it. I get it. Right, fair enough. I think we're going to go for the break, actually. I knew I knew this first story was going to take a fair bit of time, but I think it's been an interesting discussion. Uh, Rob, we'll be back in a few moments, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up-to-date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. Coming back, folks, where else on the, on the internet around WordPress could you combine Mr. President Trump with Matt Mayowick? Where will you find that, listeners and viewers? You're probably stunned yourself, actually. So let's go on to the next, the next story. Um, SoftBank, oh my God, fathers, um, SoftBank chairman admits he blew it with WeWork after disastrous earnings. I'm going to throw this over to my co-host. He's got a, he's got a weak spot for WeWork. Uh, <laughs> what did you reckon about this one, Adrian? The, the, the only thing I can, I can ask is, 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 is anyone surprised? 
it's just well, the, I mean, when when the screw, <laughs> when the screw up is that bad, it, it, you would look ridiculous not admitting that you yeah, messed up with s- that one. Six billion dollars in losses is like that's that's a hard thing to say. We did a good job on this, guys. You know, pat pats on the back all around. So, uh, I you know, I think this is an eye opening. This is like a wake up call for just blindly investing in companies that are like self proclaimed. We are a tech company, and we deserve to like grow super huge, super fast, and if we grow super huge, super fast, and you know, it's like the move fast, move fast and break things model. You know, I think there's a wake up call that that doesn't always work out, especially if there isn't like oversight from you know wherever the money's coming from into these companies that's doing who knows what with them. So we've seen like from WeWork a gross misappropriation of funds in various different places. They have forty seven billion dollars in ten year lease commis- commitments, uh, and with you know no real. A guarantee of recurring income in order to actually support that level of debt. So when you're kind of just, you know, it all kind of just makes sense and it's accumulated and, you know, we done, we done messed up here, guys. Like this was a bad call and this, that there's not really much more to say on the issue except, you know, this, this is just what happens when money or like, you know, when big, big pockets go into projects and with little oversight, this is what happens. So, Chris, what do you reckon? I reckon they'll be teaching this in, um, in so, the business. So, Adrian, are, are you actually old enough to remember the tech bubble of 2000? Uh, I, I, uh, pers- like, from first-hand experience, no. However, I am, I'm pretty well-versed in it. Uh, my, uh, my, we actually have family friends who had a dot-com, uh, took their money, and moved down to the Bahamas permanently. <laughs> so, that's, that's my first-hand experience with it, but that's about it. So, Chris, I reckon they'll be teaching it. This will be a kind of case study in business schools pretty soon, won't it? You know, uh, when you look at the gov, the governance of this particular company, and the Finns, the founder and his beloved wife are up to, your eyes just widen, don't they, Chris? Yeah, I mean, there's a phase when companies get big where it transitions from the pirates to the suits, and I think that's happening now. And I think the suits might save this one. Um, looking at it, they have a simple three-step plan to turn it around, stop doing construction, cut costs elsewhere, and kill all the sideline businesses. Mm-hmm. So there may be a turnaround story here, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the scrappy entrepreneur, pirate, startup people, uh, you know, sometimes they get through without breaking the law. A lot of times they do, but they call them pirates for a reason. And And when the big money comes in and um, or the pirates get out of control, the suits kind of come in to, you know, rein in the ship and turn it into a proper corporation. Well, so Matt, what do you reckon? Was it that that they knew the right people at the right time that had bags of money and that were a little bit gullible? Is that really just... Yeah, I mean, it's just, there's just another point proven that there is still so much, you know, money out there. And I think we talked about this on one of the previous shows recently about just you know another bubble happening in this in this space with like uber and stuff like that and um, right. i mean gullible or just greedy right right or the, greedy you know, right that's right pers- pursuing the, the the dream of millions even though it's sort of like okay so like why is we work going to make gazillions of dollars when other people in that space in the co-working space haven't i mean it's not that co-working is not a thing it's just hmm. that it's mostly not a thing that you would expect to have super high profit margins. Right, right. Uh, and if you, I mean, just look at Wiki, uh, SoftBank's Wikipedia page of 
just how much or how many companies and, and, and the ownership that they have in so many other companies. It's quite sprawling. And, um, you know, to me, that's just more interesting just to see the size and the sheer reach of, of SoftBank in all of these players like Uber and WeWork, you know, and, and so on. Um, is it mostly, Jap- I suppose we don't know, is it, it, publicly they, they reckon it's Japanese money, investment money, pension fund. But do you think there could be a, a lot of Chinese money as well? Behind this, I have no. I, I couldn't even comment on that. I know I thought it's, it was mostly Saudi money. No, well, it's Jap- the SoftBank is Japanese by from the founder, but I mean, I don't know where they raise their capital yeah. from. I couldn't comment on that. No, what finish off? What do you reckon, John? I think it's particularly disgusting that uh, the regular rank and file employees are not being paid. So they can give a golden parachute to the, the founder. I think it's time for French Revolution too. That's it. I think. I think it's. But the whole thing with the with SoftBank is uh, it's a sunk cost fallacy. They already put a lot of money into WeWork, and they don't. They didn't want to admit that they screwed up, so they just kept throwing money after it. And then finally, they had to pay the guy off to get rid of him. But it is disgusting that the, the regular employees are not getting paid and this guy gets to walk off with a fortune. That should be a white-collar crime in my estimation. Yeah, They're I agree. already taking a fortune out of it. Yeah, you should, yeah. It shouldn't shouldn't be allowed, but, you know, there you go. Yeah, That's what we're in. If he wants to Yeah, play. I, I mean, you know, re- rewarding the guy for screwing up that badly is, is what it amounts to. And, you know, I, I understand that it's, it's pretty much the... Um, <laughs> the ransom that they they have to pay to, to to get rid of him, but yeah, it still it still sucks. Yes, all right. On to the next one. There was a it was a it came in at the last minute, but Sally found this. Salesforce announces new content management system. So, Sally, what did you think of this one? Well, I just thought, you know, the headline really grabbed me because, of course, it's Salesforce that just invested $300 million in automatic. And so it makes you wonder a little bit about this content management system. You know, is this uh, in some form a spinoff of of WordPress? Is it going to be, as uh, someone was suggesting earlier, is it going to be incorporating Gutenberg uh, in, in parts of it? Is it, you know, I mean, they don't really talk very much about any of the, uh, you know, any of the tech or where, where that comes from, just that, you know, they felt they needed something that was really customized for their own, for their own setup. And uh, I just thought that the timing was very interesting on that. And I am curious to see what they do with it, assuming that anybody will, you know, have an opportunity to, to see it. Is this something that's, you know, Entirely internal for them. Is it something that uh, Salesforce customers will be using? It could be just a self-hosted WordPress site, couldn't it? Well, it says it says that they're building a new system, so you would think it might be a little bit uh, a little bit more than that. I could only imagine it's like Salesforce's version of WordPress.com, just you know, for their Salesforce customers, easily integrated with the rest of their Salesforce tools. So the only that would make sense, you know. And there's a, a, like the three hundred million dollars is the support bill, <laughs> right? A, a variation on uh, VIP, where you know it is tuned to a to a different pitch. So, Matt, why would the company invest three hundred million in open quasar open source, pretty successful 
business model and then and then kind of state this is a little bit puzzling, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, you have to look at, I mean, remember years ago, Shopify didn't have a blogging component. Now I believe it does have a, a blogging component. Um, HubSpot is uh, a publicly traded company started in Boston as just a marketing tool and now it has all of these components in it. You know, I think speaking of the dot-com bust, uh, you know, from 10, 15 years ago, and I'd like to get Chris's opinion on this too, is when that happened, you sort of saw everyone sort of say, well, let's not put all eggs in one basket. And then we have all these little verticals that came up uh, in terms of software. And I think now even big players like Salesforce is saying, we're not going to as code and developing this stuff gets a lot easier, the cost of infrastructure goes down, the cost of development goes down. Now these companies can make these big moves to own other pieces of other markets that they couldn't before. Um, and I think that this is another play where Salesforce sees you know, 1% of their customers that represents billions of dollars probably. I don't know what it is. But they say, well, boy, they're really taking all of that money and going over to Adobe to build their site, but they're connecting with us to do their Salesforce, why don't we just have our own CMS so they don't have to leave because that represents a billion bucks. Uh, we see this, like I've mentioned before on the show with Elementor, form builders, pop-ups. Next will be e-commerce, right? Because you're just trying to give the whole experience automatic with Jetpack and WooCommerce. Let's make the experience easy so people don't have to go look at 100 different directions, which ultimately hurts us because somebody else will then do what we want to do once they capture their attention. Um, you know, Lifter, hey, maybe you guys want to do e-commerce at some point because people are selling, you know, pure e-commerce play because, you know, you got a lot of people using it with WooCommerce sites, let's say. Um, you know, so there's a, there's a trend in that direction. So I think it's just, Big companies don't want to leave money on the table anymore and they can build it faster than they yeah, ever could. For, for, thanks for that insight. I thought that was really good. Thanks for that. Uh, what do you reckon, Chris? I think it actually says a lot about the state of modern marketing and how important content marketing is. And the, uh, you know, the enterprise or the bigger companies that use Salesforce are the, they're the most risk-averse and slowest to respond. But as we've seen at the grassroots level, moving up into small business, moving into mid-market is... The, the world of like paid advertising, TV commercials is changed to this world of content marketing influencers. Um, so to me, it's a, it's a play for, you know, Salesforce is for sales enablement. What's, what's married to sales? Marketing. Well, what works in marketing these days? Content driven by influencers and companies themselves. So if they invest in the, in the lower end on the WordPress side, as companies move up market, now there's like a, they have more influence over as new enterprise emerge to get them on their system, therefore expansion revenue inside of Salesforce with the content engine as well as another add-on into their stack. That's, that would be my best guess of what's going on here. Yeah. What, what do you reckon, Andrew? I, I, I'm, with, I'm with Chris. I think I, I think that's probably where where it's headed. It's just another piece of the pie that they can solve and, and sweep up, as as Matt said, you know, a whole suite of customers that are currently spending their money elsewhere, and then providing the the glorified all in one solution, which isn't a terrible idea. I mean, myself, I just uh, we just started our first foray 
this morning into e-commerce. We have our mm-hmm. we have our new e-commerce extension, which is mm-hmm. kind of an MVP stage at the moment. But we're gonna start trying to sweep up all of the people who are using WooCommerce or easy to downloads and making our own like experience mm-hmm. all in one. So that's companies do this all of the time. And I think you know, as Chris said, or as Matt and both Chris and Matt said, yeah, this is that's what they're doing. Yeah, I'm, I think that's a great move, Adrian. I think you're spot on trying to do that one. Uh, um, do you want to comment on this, John, or should I go on to the next story? You muted. Oh, you want to go on the next story? Next one, yeah. And I don't want this show to be worn, please, because I'm sure Matt and Chris and the rest of the panel got better things to do. Uh, <laughs> so I'm wondering, what's the time? Shall we? I, I'm fine. I've got, I've got three stories. I was, I was thinking of going on to story six, SEO obituaries. How many times? Is that okay to go for that one? Or do you think, yeah, they're, not, they're nodding. They don't seem too upset. Right, let's go for this one. SEO obituaries. How many times has SEO died? What do you reckon, John? What do you reckon on this one? Yeah, this is from Brendan Hufford. Uh, you know, he's, he's making a lot of waves uh, in the SEO um, a field right now, but um, yeah, he points out basically this is just like a. Does a he know what he's he, talking about? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Oh, right. Um, but this is—he's just pointing out that ever since SEO became a thing, like people have been declaring it dead for like so long because there's always some new bright shiny object, whether it's social media or, you know, whatever, whatever Alexa voice and all these different things are, are killing off SEO. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is, is like a long time ago, there was more competition um, and there used to be a whole bunch of different search engines. Now it's basically Google owns most of the market. Uh, Bing uh, has a little bit. DuckDuckGo and Ecosia have a little tiny bit. But uh, when Google needs to make more money, what they do is they change the layout of the uh, page. And right now they're running like four ads uh, above the map on, on page one and then more ads at the bottom. It used to only be three. Sometimes you'll see like a couple ads, but because of that, you know, people are saying like we're ranking higher, but we're getting less clicks. We're ranking, you know, number one, but we're getting less clicks. And, you know, when we did a few months ago, when we were ranking number five, as just because the layout of the pages had changed. Uh, you know, it, Google is always testing to see how much the market will bear. Um, but SEO isn't going anywhere. I mean, people are still using search engines. That's not going to change. So I don't see how SEO is, is going to go anywhere unless it becomes all paid ads. And at that point, I think people would just kind of give up. So. Well, yes. At that point, you're you're not so much a, a, a you know a search engine optimization person as a you know as an ad you know somebody who who does AdWords a, a consulting. But yeah, it is the, the that you know is dead thing keeps coming back on the on the internet. It's like you know, all right, so how many times have we heard podcasting is dead? Um, you know, for for those who've been in it a a, a while, uh, many many, many times. Um. Yeah, I suppose, mate, it is the kind of like podcasts and SEO. They, they seem to be the two main things, don't they? You know, it's, you know, SEO doesn't matter anymore. Podcasting. Email is And then it comes back. And email as well, isn't it? Yeah. They're, they're the three, aren't they, mate? Yeah. I mean, Gar- 
Gary Vaynerchuk has always said marketers ruin everything. I mean, that's where I first heard it. And that's something I repeat, right? So as soon as everybody jumps on the same trend, then it's everyone's doing it. So then it's ineffective any, uh, at that point. Find something new and then it, you know, it always just sort of circles around. I don't, I think podcasting is certainly here, here to stay. It's just who owns the attention moving forward. But when it comes to SEO, they're obviously, <laughs> They've got to show more adverts, but there must be a limit, you know. Uh, it, it depends on the search term, doesn't it? You know, you know, so this varies an enormous amount depending on the search term. But how many good forsaken ads? It has reached the limit, hasn't it, Matt? I mean, it, it certainly, especially if you search on mobile, right? And I'm not uh, an expert or anything like that, but it, you search for a term and then it's like, it's just, it's either image results, lo- local results. And then as you scroll, there's like, I don't know what you call them, but like the metadata that's displayed for whatever term you might be looking for. You scroll a little bit more and you hit some ads. And I don't even think there's like a next page anymore. I think if you just scroll again, it just like infinite scrolls into more results, but then there's more, more ads embedded. It's a strange, it's a strange thing. Um, but one of the things that, I mean, it's still, it's amazing that like the basics and again, like I only know the, 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 the very, very basics, but the local podcast that I do, I'm trying to rank for things by just like creating content that some of my listeners might be searching for, like local co-working spaces, you know, and it's, I started making a post like highlighting the, the local six co-working spaces and it's, it's already ranking. And it's just like when you uncover a market, you just feel like this. Like, you're not sending like, them to WeWork, though, are you? <laughs> no, there's no WeWorks. <laughs> there's no WeWorks where I am. They're all mostly locally owned and operated. Um, it's a cool thing, like to see, like the still, like the fundamentals still kind of work, which is is cool to see. But you know, in those super competitive spaces, I can't even imagine. What there's it's definitely like. a difference, isn't it? Because if you those really, it's just gone bonkers. Absolutely. Yeah. Bonkers, isn't it? But I think I've learned also um, e- email marketing. Kind of dismissed it, but it's going to be one of my big aims for 2019. You see my email list and email marketing. And um, <clears throat> what do you reckon, Adrian? Well, email marketing is certainly not going away anytime soon. Um, as a, I may be biased as I run an email marketing company, uh, but. Uh, as far as search engine optimization is concerned, it's I used to I used to say SEO was dead, or at least not nearly as effective as it was when I worked in a digital marketing agency. And my goal at that point was to sell Google AdWords because that's where we made a lot of our money. Uh, so I certainly, especially after the Panda update, I certainly uh, expressed that sentiment to several customers uh, over and over again, simply because it was a much more difficult you know, to do the basics of search engine optimization that are generally taught, which is, you know, keyword in URL title description, you know, several times throughout the content, right? That didn't just, that just didn't cut it anymore in terms of actually getting rankings uh, on Google. Now, uh, there is an actual like formula that you can, that you can use in order to get your page ranked with your basic like content marketing strategy. But a lot of it, boils down to the user experience of the site and much less what the, the kind of standard SEO practices that were generally taught, like pre-Panda update. So if you're just doing pre-Panda stuff, like that doesn't cut it anymore. It's all about making sure that people spend as much time on your page as possible. They're scrolling a lot. You know, you're at the average page visited is like two or three times. 
uh, you know, the listicles. That's why you see a lot of companies doing like six ways in order to get your, you know, X result here. Right. It's all about the user experience and just much less about your traditional SEO. And I think the term like SEO is dead comes from the traditional search yeah. engine optimization practice, which were taught pre-panda, which just aren't enough to cut it anymore. But if you start to roll in a lot of those user experience things that you have to do, then search optimization is most definitely not dead. We do we have a lot of content organically ranked for Groundhog, for example, purely based on search engine optimization and zero like advertising whatsoever. So yeah, it's funny that you say that and you're so right, Adrian, because I've got another, another podcast with a, another co-host who's a leading SEO expert in, in a particular industry vertical. And he was showing me some statistics because he's got a couple of very large clients that spend a lot of money. And he'd been doing some um, statistical analysis of figures. And what you've just said, he showed me works because user experience, keeping on the website, they are definitely signals that Google are, have increased to the top. Absolutely. There's, there's no question. Like, uh, you, you, if you have a solid user experience for, you know, if, if you, so what, here's where was our strategy, like back in the day when I was in the marketing agency. Well, so we'd spend about $1,000 of advertising money in Google AdWords to drive traffic to a page that we've optimized for SEO or whatever, right? That traffic would kickstart Google looking at the page, uh, time on page, the scroll rate, number of pages visited, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then we would stop essentially sending ads because by that point it'd be on, you know, somewhere on page one, hopefully, uh, in the local listings for that particular company. And that's just what we did every time we wanted something to rank. We'd throw a little bit of money at it. Uh, and uh, hopefully that would spur the you know user experience optimization process in Google and Panda looking at it. Be like, okay, this is good content. And we did that several times. Uh, and we also, what we used to do is when Google Plus was around, if you wanted your page to be indexed and ranked really, really quickly, you could just go share it privately on Google Plus and that would kickstart the... Um, the, uh, the search engine indexing and looking at your page, but Google Plus isn't around anymore, so that's a lot less relevant. Poor old Google Plus. <laughs> I tried everything. Yes, it's, it's interesting how people don't seem to distinguish between when, you know, between what we, what we were doing doesn't work anymore and SEO is dead. Um, I mean, you know, I'm so old that I remember when... when <clears throat> You know what people did for SEO was like you know put white text on a white background with with keywords in it. Um, you know, I would advise what whatever the you know whatever the, the the clue the keys are. <clears throat> people will try to game the system, and the system has to keep changing to get ahead of the people trying to game the system. Now say I, it with me: marketers ruin everything. That's it. <laughs> that's it. So, Chris, what do you think works for the you know for yourself and other people in 2019 when it comes oh. to you know trying to get more people to find your product and then hopefully turn them into customers? I think the name of the game is content, and just like we we're talking about why Salesforce is interesting, getting interested in content because um, if you you have to have something at every stage for somebody who's just now found out about you, somebody who's kind of in the middle and deliberating, maybe bigger content like podcast episodes, webinars, and things like that. And then you need a way to convert that sale through demos, trials, phone sales, whatever. Um, so the, the, where SEO fits into all that is um, if you have content that's relevant, that matches the searcher's intent, 
um, they'll find you. And you can, I think understanding SEO and understanding things like intent, like for me, it's really frustrating. Like if you type in WordPress LMS, the entire page one is um, roundup posts about like yeah. the seven options written by affiliates. Um, some, <clears throat> some of them have inaccurate information and this outranks, but it, the reason, the reason it, it outranks is because it matches the intent. People are looking for like, well, what are my options? So this stuff, you know, is going to just sit above the actual options. It's time to write your own listicle, Chris. <laughs> yeah, it's on the list. But uh, yeah, so, and, and I've always wanted to... I've already um, done it. He's always eight weeks behind. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to work with an SEO professional and, and come up with like a better strategy because I know there's like low-hanging fruit and places we're dropping the ball and just understanding how it works. But, uh, you know, I never want to break the... I never want to game the system in a way that's going to hurt me. You know what I mean? So... Yeah. All right. Let's go on to the recommendations of the week. I haven't got one. I apologize. I'll find one next week. John, have you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners of yours? Um, not this week. No. Some of you got some. Matt, have you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners of yours? Come on, Matt. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's right on my head. You go to store.mattreport.com. You buy one of these sweet hats. Thanks, John Locke, for picking one up. And the profits go to the WP and Up Foundation, who's supporting mental health in the WordPress community. Right. And uh, yeah, it's great stuff. I think I've raised uh, 72 bucks so far. So uh, about... Oh, buy one. It's actually, it's actually a really nice hat. Well, oh, thank you. You get all kinds of colors. You can get it in camo. So when you're you know, hiding what from... What color the... do you think would suit me, Matt? I'd go camouflage with a yeah. black logo. Would you? You think I need to go camouflage, do you? I think After your Trump wrong. comments After today, the, you might be taken to the hills. Yeah, I think I need to camouflage myself. That's what the even agent's wetting himself. Uh, Adrian, have you got something that you want to recommend to the beloved listeners of yours? I don't want to take possibly any money away from uh, Matt's awesome initiative there. So go do Matt's thing. Go oh, buy a hat. We could, I'm going to make sure Love I it. recommend it. I insist that... Are you going to save this, Sally? Have you got something to recommend? This I, I, do, I haven't had a chance to test it yet because I just discovered it this morning, but uh, David Decker wrote a plugin to help you identify uh, the uh, posts on your site that need to be converted to Gutenberg. Um, and so I have put the, the GitHub link in there. Um uh, so you can find out it, whether the the post has blocks, has a classic block, has no blocks, um, and uh, <clears throat> so he's. Uh, uh, if you need to find that out and are in the process of converting a site for yourself uh, or others, uh, that may be something. You well, want to I, I know. Out. I know all about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right, uh, um, Chris? Are you going to help me out as well? Have you got something that you want to do? Recommend? I actually. I actually just ordered one of Matt's hats on this call. Oh, great. Actually, the same one he's wearing right now. Oh, I got this the is black one with the, the gold. So, uh, nice. yeah, go to uh, store.mattreport.com. Love it. Right. And Thank support you. the uh, mental health in the WordPress community. Yeah, it's a good cause. Well, panel, thank you so much for coming on the show. I think we've had a great discussion. I think we've covered some really interesting subjects, had different views. I've made an idiot of myself, but that just goes for the territory, doesn't it? We'll see you next week, folks, where we hopefully have another great discussion 
with another great panel. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.